T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, the Chiefs get a dub with their C game. It's time to give the defense their proper respect, and the 2022 rookie class continues to impress. We'll hear from Andy Reid live at noon. Now, one man sending his thoughts and prayers to Sean McVay's beautiful broken face, Alex Gold. Yeah, we'll continue to have very important updates, Nick, throughout the show today to make sure Sean McVay is doing all right. You know, that was the most significant injury of the entire game yesterday. I'm just glad Fox reminded us over and over what actually happened. I mean, there's did they cover that injury more than any of the injuries on the field? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were really proud coming out of halftime to have. An update. Look, Tom Rinaldi's fantastic. That guy's been traveling all over the, the world, frankly. He was at the World Cup, and then he was at Ohio State, Michigan, and then he was in Kansas City. And this guy's all over the place. But he was. they seem very proud to have a, an update on Sean McVay getting his face crushed by an well, opposing well, player. Well, think I got, about that. That's one of the most beautiful faces in all of football. He, he was number one on, on your, right. on, so on your like, ranking. That's true. If this were, <laughs> if this were, I don't know, Matt Rule, I don't think we would be covering it the same way. Nobody cares oh. about that face. You, so you're saying if that would have happened to Andy Reid, you don't think they would have shown it no. as many times. No. Interesting. Because I think that's one of the crown jewels of the NFL. <laughs> uh, that face is the face. We'll talk more. We'll, we'll talk more about Sean McVay and the very, very serious, very serious injury uh, around 1030 or so. You're right. Andy Reid live at noon today. It's going to be back. Hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving Good holiday weekend as well. Cody's out for this week. You got Nick and I with you for the next four hours and throughout this entire week. I'll get to something here in about 20 minutes that I I, I kind of checked out last week, but I still got some text messages and some messages on the this Discord channel that I do for the betting show, and people were messaging me about something that occurred on Wednesday on this show, and I don't, I don't know what happened, but I have questions for you, Nick, about maybe what occurred or did not occur, so we'll get to that. In about 20 minutes or so. But how many times have we come on this show? I feel like this year and maybe over the last couple of years, we're like, you know what? The Chiefs did this wrong, did that wrong. They only did this. And it was kind of boring at times. But then we look up and you see the scoreboard and you're like, oh, they they won by double digits. Oh, they, they covered one of the biggest spreads of the entire NFL season. Wasn't it the biggest spread? Um, it was 16 points, closed at 15 and a half. And yes, it, it, it closed as the, the biggest spread of the season. And yet, you're right in your intro. 
it was like a C, maybe a C plus if you're being kind <laughs> type of performance from the Chiefs. And they won by 16. It's an NFL game. That's not, that's not supposed to happen. And college football teams win by 20 plus points all the time. Heck, even in a big rivalry game, we saw it just happen this weekend. But in the NFL, it's why anytime you see a spread north of 10, you're like, hey, maybe you stay away. Do you trust it? People were sweating out their bet maybe yesterday. The Chiefs ended up covering the 15 and a half points. They won by 16. They muffed a punt. They gave up a fake punt on a first down that led to a first down. Mahomes threw a red zone pick. They struggled in the red zone, one touchdown on the six trips, and they won by 16 points. And I, and I get that the Rams, as we all have realized, they're so injury riddled. They're, you know, they're, they're a, what, three and eight team. Let's be clear, though. They were bad before Stafford and Cup went out. They, they were struggling, to say the least. It's why that opening night victory the Bills had over the Rams where they destroyed them. And we're like, oh, my gosh, look at Buffalo. Like, you look back and like, oh, oh, that makes, a, that, that makes a little bit more sense now. It's just a Rams team, all the talk in the past, you know, of Super Bowl hangovers and things like that. Uh, the Rams were having a little bit of that, and then the injuries have gotten out of control. And so I understand that they were so limited on offense yesterday with Bryce Perkins and, and all that. But that defense for the Rams was still a top four red zone defense in football heading in. And now after yesterday, they're actually like a top two red zone defense in terms of touchdown percentage given up. But the Chiefs, as we've said after the Jags win a month ago or whatever that was, three weeks ago, they have more ways to win than anybody else in football. They, they just do. Now, I always get concerned when the level of competition steps up. Can you muff a punt, go one for six in terms of touchdowns in the red zone in an AFC title game against Cincinnati or Buffalo or Miami? No, I, I don't think you'll be able to do that. But just the fact that you won, you won an NFL game by 16 points, even if they would have played you know, perfectly, and they won a one by 16, you'd be like, oh, wow, 16 points. They would have played perfectly. They wouldn't by, would have been by 25 or 30 yesterday. I mean, they, it never felt like the game was in doubt whatsoever, despite the frustration maybe you had of like a, a boring going through the motions type of first half and the special teams blunder and missed opportunities. But I just can't stress enough, winning an NFL game by 16 points, I don't care who the hell you're playing. And Do you this think that was a good game? Do you think the Chiefs no, played no. well yesterday? Uh, I thought the defense did, you know, we'll get to the defense in a second, but like, no, I, I, it was a C performance, right? So like, it's like a, <laughs> actually getting a C in a college class. You're going to pass. Yeah. You, you know, you move C's on. get degrees. They do. But you're not going to be on the Dean's list getting C's. No, you're, nobody's going to step away from that performance or yeah. If you, if you got a C in that class, you're like, man, great job. You know what? Exemplary performance. No, the conversation, I mean, we've already seen it on some of the the big national shows today. Like the conversation is around Jalen Hurts and the Eagles today. And and even though they play the bad Packers team, you know, but he was great. Bengals getting a lot of attention. Yeah. And so that's to be understood. I mean, you, I I don't know what you guys talked about last week, but going to the game, there was probably very little the Chiefs could have done to like what to where you're like, oh, wow. They did against Bryce Perkins and, and the Rams. But I will stress again that like that Rams defense still is actually pretty damn legit. I mean, Aaron Donald is still Aaron Donald. They got, you know, they got a couple other guys back healthy. I think that's something to keep in perspective when we do talk about the red zone struggles the Chiefs had yesterday. Do you think that, like, it feels as though the Chiefs legitimately played down to competition? 
it seems like sometimes, I know that wasn't the case, but it seems like they enter each game saying, let's just score just enough <laughs> points to win the game. I, I get it. They, they won. They well, 16 points. They covered the spread. <laughs> I know that it's not how it, it actually plays out, but it seems like the mindset is let's do just enough here. Uh Oh, wait, we're on the verge of running away with this. Let's throw an atypical red zone interception. Let's make sure Butker's leg gets some work. I mean, Butker's toe, that's the sorest body part <laughs> in Kansas City this morning. Is that right big toe of Harrison Butker? He got some work in yesterday, so I guess that's the silver lining, is that Butker's woes, those chip shots that he was missing the last couple of weeks, he's back, baby. I, I, I get what you're saying, and you're right. Like, that's not how they operate per se. Like, there's no shit. It just of, feels like it. They're it def- always oh, doing I, just enough. It feels that way, and we there have been multiple years and multiple games throughout the last couple of years where we've we've had similar conversations where it's like, that just like you're going through the motions, like, just find a way to get the win and get out of there. And I think that was somewhat of the mindset, I don't know, for fans as well. Like, hey, just can you get out of that, going into the game even, can you get out of that game healthy, beat the Rams, and then it's on, you know, it's on to Cincinnati, right? Like, and we'll have all week to talk about that game. I cannot wait. That, before the season, I said, was kind of the game I was most looking forward to because of the storylines, and you'll have a chance to, if you're Joe Burrow, to go 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. So we'll have, we'll have all week to talk about what is a massive game against Cincinnati. And, and maybe there was a little bit of that. I, I, can, I can see where you could put two and two together and like, oh, you know, the notion of knowing Cincinnati's on deck and things like that, but... I get that, but then I'll just say it for the fifth time already since we started the show. They won an NFL game by 16 points. Like, that's what's so weird. They're one of the few teams, though, that can look underwhelming in a way and feel like they were going through the motions and feel like that they were, like, holding something back and all this crap, and they still win a game by the margin that they did. It's still an NFL opponent. I, you can, the Rams are a bad team this year, no doubt, but it's an NFL team. There's only 32 teams in the NFL. The Rams aren't the Houston Texans still. You know what I mean? And the Texans are the worst team in football. And so the fact that they were able to do that was impressive. Now, if you're looking at this defense for Kansas City and you were asking me, like, what, you know, how did I feel leaving that game? The defense did exactly what you should do against a team that has their third string quarterback. And that was a good sign. Like, don't, don't give Bryce Perkins any hope. Don't give the Rams offense any hope, a bad offense. This defense over the last four games as well has only given up three second half touchdowns. So even if you want to look at the offense you were going against this go around, combine it with the last three second halves or four second halves, I should say three touchdowns is all they have given up. You're starting to see maybe a couple takeaways as well. I know that's something that Cody and I have talked a lot about and something that's concerned him was the lack of takeaways for this defense. Like, hey, they're, not, they're just not getting those takeaways. Is it going to happen? Do they have the ball hawk? Who's going to provide that? Could it be McDuffie at some point this year? Like, just trying to get a couple takeaways here the last few weeks. The, off, the defense continues to kind of point in that, that strong direction. We continue to see not only the in-season adjustment from Spags in this defense, but the, the in-game adjustment as well. And they're going to have a huge test on, on Sunday against an offense that, of course, has torched this defense multiple times we all know how that regular season game ended as well so this will be a really really good test on on Sunday against Cincinnati but I know that the actual numbers of points per game given up for the defense I think they're we looked this morning they're you know they're 16th or so in the NFL in points per game given up but it still to me is a much better defense 
than what we have seen in Kansas City over the last couple of years. And I, not every stat backs it up. I get it. I, I just don't know how you can't watch this defense and see how they're flying around and also the amount of pressure they're getting and now sitting fourth or fifth or so in the NFL in sacks. That's the biggest difference. And not feel a lot better, though, about this defense right now than you have maybe at other points. Other than maybe the Super Bowl year where they flipped that switch after that Titans game in 2019. And then we know it was Frank Clark and the whole defense looked like a completely different unit. This is a different feel than that. But at the same time, because of how young they are, you continue to believe that like there's they can get better throughout this season. I don't know, man. I think I'm there. I don't think there's any caveats left for me. Because I don't know that there was anything they could have done versus the Rams, given the personnel, that would have left you coming away impressed. Besides completely shutting them out. Which I thought for the exception of one drive, that one long drive where Cam Akers had a couple of big runs and Perkins made a couple of nice plays. With the exception of that drive, this defense played about as well as you could possibly expect them to. The only difference is that the offense only scored 26 points. We're used to them scoring 30, 34, 31. They've scored 40 points, what, three times this year. Well, and, and how many times throughout this season could you pinpoint a moment where maybe there was a chance for momentum to fully shift or like, oh, things might get interesting, and the defense has come up with those big plays. That's been the difference this year, whether it's a Chris Jones sack, whether it's, a, in this case, what, a Nick Bolton interception this week. You know, they're, the Chiefs uh, stalled out in the red zone, as we know, multiple times. We'll talk about that. I see people on the, the J Southland Toe Service text line talk about the red zone struggles. We're going to get there in about 25 minutes, I promise. Uh, but when there was a red zone pick from Mahomes, what, two plays later, or was it three plays later? On the Rams' offense is when the Chiefs' defense, though, stepped up and immediately got the football back. I don't know if it was three plays later. It might have been like a play or two later. And so that, that has happened multiple times for this defense. I don't think they get enough credit for that. There's been instances throughout this season where maybe the offense, you know, stutters a little bit, and they're able to immediately come up with that big play as a defensive unit. And that has happened more times than not this year. And that is the most promising thing as well is that you feel like if you need a big moment, yeah, they're going to go up yardage. You might, you might be able to drive on them. They're going to go up yardage. But do you have confidence that the Chiefs defense, when that big play is needed, whether it's directly a turnover, or in most cases this year, when they need that big sack, that big tackle for a loss, it's happened this year. And that, that, that sack number is the complete difference of, of, for this defense. You can be 16th in points per game allowed, which they are. You can still, I think there was a graphic during the Fox broadcast yesterday. They were like 31st still in yards per game given up or something like that. But you're 15th or 16th in sacks. And that's how you can make up for giving up the big plays. That Are you able to come up with that big sack to alleviate the, the success that maybe in this case the Rams or this coming week hopefully Cincinnati's going to have or not have? Yeah, I wonder if, if you look at just this, the three levels of this defense – Chris Jones, D-line, Nick Bolton, linebacker, Legereus Sneed, defensive back. You have got three plus players. I would, I would consider Nick Bolton to be a top five inside linebacker in the NFL. Chris Jones is a top five pass rusher this year. And Legereus Sneed may not be a top five cornerback or top five defensive back because there are so many good ones and he's not a shutdown corner. But the versatility, the way he fits into this offense, or this defense, excuse me, the way that Spags wants to keep teams guessing the exotic blitz packages he does so many different things he's not a top five cornerback but he's perfect for this system 
So you've got a plus player at all three levels of this Chiefs defense, and that's not even mentioning the auxiliary parts. Like, we don't know what McDuffie's going to be. Justin Reed, I think, is a plus I level I continue to like there. the early returns of McDuffie, man. Yeah. Like, I, I, I know people are waiting for him to maybe come up with that big uh, turnover himself or whatever, and maybe that comes, and maybe it's this weekend against against Cincinnati. But even against that subpar, to say the least, wide receiver group that the Rams are throwing out there currently. Uh, they didn't have Allen Robinson out there. Mm-hmm. He's done for the season. Like, Trent McDuffie, he's he's right on the hip of the defender, every uh, of the receiver, I should say. Every single time the ball goes in his direction. And that doesn't mean like there's not completions, of course, but he's right there. He's not he's not getting burnt or beat. Even on that touchdown that the, the Rams got late, I know in the on the TV screen you're watching and McDuffie was the nearest defender, but that was that wasn't necessarily like he didn't blow the coverage. That was just a situation where, where, where some of those those plays can happen. Like I continue to be impressed with the early returns for him. You're right on Sneed too. Like I know we'll we'll talk maybe uh bigger picture stuff with him and the decisions that they have to make. But because of Spag's aggressiveness and how he was trying to manufacture pressure at times, uh, Legereus Sneed is so, so vital, which is why I think everybody held their breath yesterday for the, I don't know, 15 minutes or so where Sneed had to go in the blue medical tent and he was being evaluated for a concussion. You're thinking, oh boy, because you know, concussion protocol, you know, you got Jamar Chase and company coming up on Sunday. Uh, and, and fortunately, Sneed was able to come back on on the field and, and continue to perform at a high level. So now I think this defense absolutely continues to deserve a ton of credit. We will get to the red zone struggles for the offense in about 20 minutes or so. Also Nick's notable notes around 1045. I was out. I was out last week, obviously uh, Cody's out this week and I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't text you. You guys didn't text me. I didn't text you. I think I haven't, I didn't talk to Nick until last night. As a matter of fact, it's not often that we usually text each other quite a bit as a show, um, but we were all in and out. And I got a text from a few other people and some messages in our discord channel of people saying, Hey, did you you hear what happened on the show Wednesday? And and this was on Thursday or Friday. Someone messaged me. I said, no, what what do you mean? What happened on the show on Wednesday? I wasn't there. How do you not know? I go, I didn't, I haven't had a chance to talk to Nick or or Cody. They said, yeah, they said, Cody bailed on Nick. I go, what do you mean he bailed on Nick? Cause my understanding was, you and Cody were going to do the show Monday and Tuesday last week, right? And did that, that happen or no? We, it was, well, no, actually, we were going to do the show Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And Monday and Tuesday did happen. Okay. And then Wednesday, Cody was going to be here. And then what? someone said, you're not going to believe what happened on Wednesday. Yeah. Nick was by himself. So, I said, I, what do you mean? So I got a phone call late in the wee hours of the night on Tuesday. And I'm, I'm running an errand. I don't know. I'm on my way home from, like, the grocery store or something. It's, like, 9 o'clock. Okay. Oh, so not that like, I thought you were saying, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. You know, might as well then. <laughs> because you know that the, the amount of prep work and preparation uh-huh. that goes into putting this show on every single day. And the, co- the call's from Cody, and he says, hey, man, working on a solution, but I've got pink eye. Pink eye? Pink eye. I've got pink eye, so I'm not going to be able to come in tomorrow. What? And I said, huh, I, my, my first thought is, well, I've never seen anybody host a radio show with their eye. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was a little confusing to me, but whatever. I then start to scramble and try to figure out, okay, well, am I going to have to do this show completely by myself? Can I yeah. get some help? Fortunately, Chris Unicero was able to come in and uh, produce the show while I hosted. And what was odd, Alex, was that Cody all week had been talking about how the Big Tap Family Thanksgiving right. was happening on Thursday and that he was in charge of baking all of these goods. He was gonna, he talked a million times, I'm going to make this pie, I'm going to make pumpkin bread, pumpkin rolls, all this stuff. You know how he likes to talk sure. about food. Yeah. 
And so I talked to him on Thursday. I had him on the show to get an update live from his house. And he said, you know, it's going around. My kids had pink eyes. You mean so, you know, on Wednesday? Wednesday, yeah. Okay. Excuse me. It's going around. My kids have pink eye. I think I got it from them. And I said, well, what about the, the TAP family Thanksgiving? Is this still going on as planned? And he said, no. Thanksgiving's canceled. Those are his words. <laughs> Thanksgiving canceled. is canceled. Huh. Lo and behold, Thursday comes around. And uh, at least according to some of the photos that Cody was posting to Twitter, Thanksgiving was not canceled. Okay, so that's where I'm confused because, I, like I said, I got multiple messages from people saying, you're not going to believe what happened on Wednesday. Cody bailed, and now you're telling me it's because Cody had pink eye, which sounds terrible. And did you guys at least how the hell did he get pink eye? What is he doing? How the hell is he getting pink eye? I know. Well, it, either he got it from one of his kids or he got it the old-fashioned way, okay. if you know what I'm saying. Okay. Um, so then I saw – you're right. I did see the baking photos. I saw he made, like, that pumpkin loaf thing that he made us a couple year, a year or so ago. I saw he made that. So you're questioning whether or not he had Thanksgiving. Should you be baking uh, – Yeah, maybe he's posting photos. Yeah, exactly. Should you be baking food for others while having pink eye? So get this. So the reason why he didn't come into the studio on Wednesday is because he said pink eye is highly contagious. It is. I'm, I mean, and I, it can I wouldn't live want on him, surfaces. I wouldn't want him in the studio either. He touches so, that same microphone button as other people. That right. seems problematic. But let's just, let's just be real, though. Like – even though I wouldn't want him across the desk from me, it's not as though we're, we're sharing the same microphone. We're not touching all of the same things. Like, there is a level of separation yeah, you between you want, and the other host. You don't want him in the building, though, man. Sure, I, I don't want him in the building. But you know what I would not want even more than that? For him to put those greasy, pink-eye-infested paws all over the food that he is then serving to me. Like, if I had to choose between the two of them, I'd rather say, okay, you sit over there, I'll sit over here, we'll do a radio show, as opposed to, here's some food I just made. Yeah, Don't I, worry about I, my swollen pink eye. Here's some delicious pumpkin roll. Okay. So this was what happened. All right. That's what I was wondering. I was very confused when, when people were messaging me saying the show is not happening. Cody bailed. And nobody had told me it was because of pink eye. Let okay. me ask you this. That when, sound, that's like, ugh. In the heat of COVID when you guys <laughs> were not in studio every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you – did? Does Odyssey have the technological capabilities of having a host do the show remotely from a different oh, we, location? This is true. Yes. We, yes. Multiple times. So wait, you're saying he should have just hosted it from his house. I'm saying he could have. It seems like we have the, the capabilities to pull that off. Because when you have pink eye, do you just feel normal still, right? I don't know. Doesn't affect had, your throat. I haven't had it Doesn't before. affect your energy. Just affects your eye. Last I checked, <laughs> it's not called pink throat. It's not called pink mouth. It's <laughs> called pink eye gold. He didn't have the equipment though, I don't think. Could have came and got it. Yeah, but again, I don't, I don't think you want. It. If someone has pink eye, I don't think you want them anywhere near your your house, your your workplace, or anything. You don't want that coming anywhere near you. Kind of sounds to me like he was taking an extra day onto his already lengthy vacation. Text line nine one three five eight six seven six ten says, "Mind your own business." We've all been there before. Honestly, I, I, I have not been I there. I haven't actually. I have not been there. I keep my face away from butts. <laughs> I fortunately have not had. I have not had pink eye. Is this something, though, when you just have kids, like it's bound to happen? I feel like that's probably really what's he going said, on. He said, I don't know. The way he described it to me was rather grotesque. He's like, well, oh. I had to pee. I had to, you know, I was holding my daughter's eye open, getting it. I'm like, what? You're not a doctor. You know what I mean? Like, that's when he said, well, I had to do this and that to get eye drops in my daughter's eye. And the way he described it, like, I felt bad for his daughter. And then I began to wonder, like, should you be in charge of that. I know you're the father here, but like, well, you got to help the kids. Didn't sound take, like he was handling it the proper way. Like, I don't think a medical professional would have okayed his method. 
at least he has more of an excuse because of the kids. Now, if you would have told me, Nick, that today you couldn't come in and you had pink eye, I would really be wondering, what the hell were you up to? But with Cody, he can still say it's it's the kids. What do you mean? What what the hell was I? I just don't know. No, like you don't. You can't say oh, I got it from your kids. I mean, how the you heck don't did you think get it? I could contract it in a normal manner? I just, well, I mean you could. I just it just would be quite, more questions. You know, more certain questions. surfaces touch certain body parts. I'd be and asking you what you've been doing, where you've been. Well, what happens in the privacy of my own home is my own business, and that's that actually that actually is HIPAA gold. So. You are the you medical be, expert on the be, show. You need to be careful you are, about your line of questioning. We, we do know you are the, the chief medical expert on the show. Are we streaming the show today as well on video? We are not right now. <laughs> we are not. Okay. Technical, the, cap, uh, technical issues. Okay. So maybe at some point we will have the video stream uh, up on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube as well. We're just getting started on a, uh, a victory Monday here in Kansas City. Up next, though, it was clearly, guys, the most significant injury yesterday. Thankfully, we've got more updates for you next. You're listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Subscribe and download all new episodes of Nick's Waving in the Week podcast, released every Thursday on the 435 Podcast Network and the Odyssey app. All right, back here on Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Nick Schwartz with you. We'll get to Nick's notable notes coming up in about 15 minutes or so. So yesterday, I think it's fair to say the most significant injury that happened was involving Sean McVay, right? I mean, that was... Do we know how he is, by the way? I haven't heard anything today, though. I, I We can let you know. We can get you updates throughout Rap, the Rappaport show. Rappaport hasn't... Tweeted anything out yet? Haven't seen that. If he's getting a second opinion on the jaw. Dr. He, James Andrews. Yeah, or a plastic <laughs> surgeon in L.A. needs to fi- fix the cheekbone or something like that. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't seen any reporting like that. But we all saw the video because Fox showed us about 15 times. That was probably um, the most gruesome uh, on-field injury that we've <laughs> seen since Joe Theismann. Don't yeah, I mean, it, that, yeah, I mean, what was what was more scary to watch, that or the Tua situation earlier? I mean, that that's how that's how Fox treated it. It was the same sort of reaction for me. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, how could they put him in harm's way like that? It was, you know, it was really scary, you know, for everybody to, to witness and see that player's helmet running into the jaw of Sean McVay. By the way, it wasn't even the helmet. It was the shoulder pad. So that was not a helmet to the face. If you go back and watch the slow-mo, which, again, they showed I mean, dozens look, of times. It, it looked like it would have hurt like hell. Of so, course it would. I, I don't doubt that. But the way Fox treated the, during the broadcast was absolutely ridiculous. They showed it six or seven times. They mentioned it seven, eight, nine times during it as well. And so, yeah, I'm sure it hurt like heck. And uh, obviously, you would be in pain as well. Nobody's doubting that. Sean McVay handled it well. It's not a shot at him. It's just that. How many, how many times did you have to make mention of, of that? Well, to be fair, that's the most beautiful face in all of the NFL, so hmm. it is worth McVay did discussing. Talk, McVay did talk about it uh, after the game, though. Yeah, it's good. I took a good shot. You know, uh, Roger ran right into me. I'm, I, you know, it was, it was a good shot, but I'm okay. I was thinking, I have a little awareness running by me. I mean, oh, my gosh, but it's one of those deals. It's really not that big a deal. I think it probably looked worse when you end up, you know, replaying it, but it was a good shot at first. You know, I was just glad I didn't – I don't think I broke my jaw, so uh, I'll be fine. Well, I mean, yeah, you didn't break it because you're talking to us right now, right? If you broke your jaw, something, right, can you talk with a broken jaw? Uh, I, I'm not – I mean, I am a medical you're the expert. Me- you're yeah. our, I need you on tough. this. It would be tough. It would be very yeah. painful to talk with a broken jaw. I would like to think 
or not like, I just would think that if you broke your jaw, you would you would know you broke your jaw. Yeah. I feel like breaking your jaw would be so incredibly painful. They wire it shut, then you're like, you're just drinking soup. Yeah. Just drinking shakes. Smoothies. Yeah, drinking smoothies, drinking your food through a straw. They did treat it like he got shot, though. Like they 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 treated it like Sean McVay has been taken out by a sniper, even though he got ran into by a football player. Not quite the same. Yeah, like it would have been way worse if he got ran into and then tore his ACL and he couldn't walk. They probably st- he's the idea that Greg Olson mentioned, like, oh, maybe he he's gonna be able to stay in the game, stay on the sideline. If, okay, even, even, stop if he, it. even if he tore his ACL. They probably would have just plopped a chair down for him and just would have sat there on a stool I'm sorry, and still dude, called the play. He is an NFL head coach. He's not heading to the locker room because he got ran into by a player. Hmm. Greg Olson was, and I like Greg, Greg Olson. He's fantastic normally. But he was so <laughs> concerned. He was so concerned. Uh, text line says that Kanye released a whole album with a broken jaw. Through the yeah, wire. I really don't care what Kanye released, but that's interesting to know. Really interesting to know. Just been done. It's been done. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about this this red zone offense, though, because multiple people were were asking about that. We, we'd only been started the show 30 minutes ago, and everybody's like, how come you're not talking about the red zone offense? Yeah, I promise we're going to get there. They were one, one for five, one for six in the red zone, and it wasn't for me just the lack of execution so much as that is the, the frustration of inside the five against a team like L.A., despite how good they are in the red zone, but knowing what's on the other side is in their quarterback situation and their offense situation. Like the, the, the trick plays, getting cute, whatever you want to call it, seemed so unnecessary inside the five-yard line. There was that stretch where they were running the ball. They were effective running the ball with Pacheco, and they, they passed it three straight times, including the, what was it, I guess a reverse to Sky Moore, the throwback to Mahomes, and then Mahomes trying to throw it to Travis Kelsey. And I understand there's a balance here, it, fair or not, we call it cute when it doesn't work, and when it works, we're like, man, what a genius. I, I get it. We're all guilty of doing that. But in that particular game, I think that was some of the frustration with their play calling inside the five in particular. Now, do I think suddenly this team has massive red zone issues? No, I, I don't. You can say uh, that, that one for six isn't good enough. Yeah, of course not. It's not good enough. The Rams, though, this season are the second best red zone scoring defense in football. The second best. We know the Chiefs are giving up like 70 touchdowns 70% of the time or so in defense. The Rams are in like in, in the 40s, if not lower. So this Rams team as a whole, yeah, not very good. But this Rams defense and in the red zone, this is what they do best. So I think it was a combination of, yeah, getting a little too cute inside the five in an unnecessary manner. But also this Rams defense does that to a lot of offenses in football. Well, I'd be more concerned if it happens again against Cincinnati. Well, yeah, they'll lose the game if that. They can't, you're not going one for six and settling for field goals against Cincinnati. The same way we talk all the time about how teams can't settle field goals against the Chiefs. We know the Chiefs will not be able to do that against Joe Burrow and company on Sunday afternoon out there in Cincy. Um, but I, I don't look at the Chiefs' red zone offense and think, man, they got major problems suddenly because of that one game performance. It I do chalk a lot of it up to a common, you know, to, to what the Rams have done defensively. It was uncharacteristic the way that they ran the ball. That was the only thing that surprised me, the volume with which they handed the ball off to Isaiah Pacheco, which is funny because a lot of fans have been asking for that, right? Don't get so cute in the red zone. Just turn around, hand it off to this guy who likes to run north-south. He's explosive the way he hits gaps. They did that, and that ultimately led to settling for a lot of field goals. The reason why it's not concerning is because you and I both know it's January, February. 
Playoffs, there is no way Isaiah Pacheco is getting that many touches in the red zone. Like, when it comes down to it, not cutting time, you are throwing the ball, you are putting the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and letting him make a play near the end zone. And, like, there's going to be uh, some some tricks up there, Steve, and, and it will work. I'm sure there'll be a moment or two because we've seen it all the time, like, in the playoffs or whatever. They even had the play prior to that one where, you know, Colin Saunders, defensive lineman, was on the on the field. Now, then the the Rams called a timeout, right? And then the very next play is when Kansas City ran that uh, reverse to Sky and the, the throwback pass or whatever. Uh, but at some point, like, what is we we still haven't seen what that is. Like, you know, Colin Saunders will be back on the field on offense at some point in time this season, because now now like even though we know we don't know what the actual play was, he was so they they can still use that 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 look was was out there. So that'll be something I'm sure we see a wrinkle. Nobody's saying not to be creative in the red zone. It just felt like yesterday maybe it was unnecessary to do so. Well, and the other part of it is that interception that Mahomes threw, maybe the worst throw of, it, of the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like that the was, one throw yeah. he's made where you can't put it on anybody else. You just say, I'm not really sure what it was you were trying to do there. Those are uncharacteristic. You don't look at those throws and say, oh, is there something wrong with Patrick? You look at it and say, okay, he doesn't do that very often, so that's his, like, one bad throw for the next yeah, that six was games. Bad. Yeah, that, that was bad. I was just, that's, it stands out more when it's him because he doesn't do that very often. In fact, here's what Andy Reid had to say about the offense and in particular where they were at yesterday and the red zone struggles. Got to do a little better in the red zone. Uh, that's a place we're normally pretty good, but we were, we were off just a, a tick uh, tonight. And we'll, we'll go back to the drawing board on that and make sure we take care of that. It was good to get Allegretti in there and playing. I thought he did a nice job, as did the offensive line. Um, Pat had a, another big night. Um, and uh, with 300 plus yards, you know, and we kind of take those for granted, but uh, not easy to do. They did, listen, they did a good job. We're not, you know, we're not playing a JV team. That, that defense is one top 10 defense. So, I mean, you know, it's not like uh, they're, they're no good. So uh, they did a nice job against us. And, uh, um, you know, that's, that's all part of it. But in between uh, red zones there, we sure moved the ball well. But a lot of good things happened there. And look, I'll, I'll point out, even after yesterday, the Chiefs, Nick, are still the sixth best team in red zone touchdown scoring percentage. So this, this, I think it's it's that and what we've seen from the joy of the season. I, I don't think it's a reason to freak out yet. Now, if they struggle in the red zone again against Cincinnati, and you know, that's a whole different conversation, but they score touchdowns in the red zone at a 65% clip. The only teams that do that better than them, the Tennessee Titans, just slightly above that, Dallas, Cincinnati, so that'll be important for this Chiefs defense in the red zone, of course. Cincinnati scores touchdown 71% of the time. Detroit, that's probably a surprise for people. And then the best team in the red zone in terms of touchdown percentage is the Philadelphia Eagles, the best record in the NFL. So if if the Chiefs suddenly fall out of the top 10 in red zone scoring percentage, then that's more problematic. They're still the sixth best team in red zone scoring. And I, I mentioned earlier what the Rams were, right? The Rams defensively the second best team in red zone defense. So, I, yeah, I... I don't think it's time to panic uh, about the struggles of the offense in the red zone. With the Colin Saunders play, like that sequence, you bring in Colin Saunders, then the Rams call a timeout. Uh -huh. So yeah. you think, okay, well, they were going to try and catch him off guard. Nope, they call a timeout, and they've still got <laughs> another trick up their sleeve. <laughs> yeah. That sequence right there told you that this is not a normal game. Andy's trying some stuff versus the Rams just to see if it works. I don't think it's you can consider that to be letting your foot off the gas. I think it's a we're going to win this game. So let's try some stuff that I wouldn't call in a one-point game just to see if it's something that maybe we'd be comfortable 
using again in a higher pressure situation. So you think they just want to get it on film also to make other teams think about it a little bit? Yeah, because we've seen that too where Mm -hmm. you show them something, that way teams are looking out for it, and then the next time you line up like that, the next time you've got a nose guard in the game, it's something, there's a new wrinkle. We have changed it to where you've prepared for something, now we're leveraging this play that got us nothing two weeks ago against you to where we can actually get points on the board. Yeah, and there'll be another time where they have Sky Moore coming across like that on, on a reverse or, or jet sweep, and he doesn't throw the ball, or he does again. Like there, there will be, yeah, there'll be new wrinkles to to that. Not surprised. Nobody's saying for them not to be creative in the red zone, not to be creative near the goal line. It just maybe felt a little unnecessary yesterday in particular. A reminder, you'll hear from Andy Reid coming up at noon today. The only place you can hear from the Chiefs head coach is right here on 610 Sports Radio. Make sure we'll get an update on where they're at kind of with some of the injuries. And then, of course, setting up. You already heard some of the players talking after the game yesterday about Cincinnati. Like, I think there's, a, of course, the joke, the clip of Bill Belichick saying on to Cincinnati, on to Cincinnati in his press conference from a couple years ago. But that truly, I think, very quickly after the game yesterday, you could tell that that is where the mind has gone for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's certainly, I think, where a lot of Chiefs fans are considering Joe Burrow beat the Chiefs twice, including, as we know, in the AFC title game. Uh, here in 20 minutes, we'll get to Sky Moore, who, uh, of course, continues to struggle in the punt return game. But it's not even his fault. I'll explain why uh, in just a little bit. But let's get to Nick's Notable Notes. Write something down. Nick's Notable Notes. All right, Alex. Week 12 NFL season. So we are about three-fourths of the way through the year, which means this is the point when the playoff picture begins to crystallize a bit. And there were a couple of games yesterday that had big, big playoff implications in the AFC. The first one I want to start with, maybe the game of the day, the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Arizona Cardinals. I would like to say that the Chiefs playing in the 325 slot is a negative for multiple reasons, but it's even compounded by the fact that the Chiefs game was rather boring. Like that was not a fun game to watch. And the other two games that were on, Seem to be incredible. Both of them come down to the wire. One of them goes to overtime. Guess how much of those games I got to see? None, because I was watching the Chiefs sort of not really, kind of though, sweat out a 16-point win over a floundering Rams team. But the Chargers, Brandon Staley, aggressive. Back. Aggressive Brandon Staley is officially back. We wondered if he was wavering on some of those mm-hmm. late-game fourth-down situational things. Not yesterday. They get the touchdown, they go for the win, they go for two, and they get it to beat the Cardinals. And that keeps their playoff hopes alive in the AFC, which right now I think you could look at about nine teams that still have a shot of making the postseason. The Chargers had a win yesterday, and you're right. They they got the two-point conversion. Justin Herbert led a great drive. They get the win. They got Keenan Allen back in the mix. They might get Mike Williams back next week. Uh, They would have been five and six, the Chargers would have been. And now seeing that the Jets suddenly have seven wins, and you're like, for why you're wondering are the Jets for real or not I still have questions but looks like they're gonna win enough games to maybe be that final wild card spot at minimum and so if you would have fallen to five and six you would have been in, in a real bad spot the Chargers to me saved their season with that decision to go for on the two-point try and win that game now you're six and five you're still out of the playoffs if they were today but they, they put themselves in, they already played Kansas City twice so they don't have to they don't have to deal with KC anymore so that was a huge win for the Chargers no question Going to the AFC North now, Trevor Lawrence, how about his performance yesterday versus the Ravens? Now, he was great. The Jaguars are still behind the eight ball. They're not going to the playoffs. But for the first time, Trevor Lawrence is starting to look like the guy. I know we said this earlier this season. He looks like the guy. (laughs) That, That last drive, like that's the reason 
You drafted him first overall last year. It remains to be seen if he's going to be that guy on a consistent basis, but he showed you at least for a drive. Oh, that's why we took you first overall last year. Well, that year. was his, in his very young career. That was his finest moment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was that marquee moment that you've been waiting to see. And you're right. My only hesitation is there was a stretch the first, what, two weeks, three weeks of the season yeah. where like, oh, oh, that looks like the guy can maybe win an MVP at some point in his career. And then they hit a lull for five weeks, six weeks. And you're right. Now, like, maybe that is what, what, what they need. And now they're still looking for the future because – but they're standing at three or four wins. Yeah. The Titans are still going to win that division. So the Bengals now, with the Ravens' loss, they are tied for first place in the AFC North. Both those teams are 7-4 and four on the season. They will play in the final game of the regular season. The Bengals now have won three in a row. They had one of the more impressive wins yesterday, I thought, against the Titans, doing it without Jamar Chase. They've now won five of six. Are the Bengals back to being the best team in the AFC North? Do you fear them more than you feel the, fear the Ravens? If, the, if if you're answering yes to that, I think it's just strictly off of what you, what happened to you last year. Like, because I, I, th- we do this, and three weeks ago, if you would ask the question, remember, Baltimore was starting to look good as well. We would have said, oh, Baltimore. And now Baltimore's coming off a loss, and suddenly Cincinnati just had an impressive win, so now we're automatically supposed to just switch and say, oh, Cincinnati looks like the most dangerous. But I think you, you could have said like, that even before this week. Simply because I mean, they're still the tied Ravens, in that division. The it's Ravens, like... though, it's Lamar Jackson and a bunch of du- like, yeah, Deshaun Jackson had to win the game. They have no weapons on offense, and you can get by with that if you have an innovative play caller like Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan. But they don't have that in Baltimore. They're asking Lamar to be Superman every week, and I just don't think that's a sustainable way to win. Meanwhile, Bengals have a ton of weapons. They're winning without Jamar Chase. They're utilizing their running backs. It feels like that offense is evolving, and they're about to get chased back. No, I mean, this is why on, on Sunday, this is going to be the marquee, marquee game of the entire weekend. And it, it it seems like they're doing enough to protect Joe Burrow, but that's my still big, big question with them. Like, I... When when that breaks down against a quality team, how do they how do they perform? We know in the playoffs last year, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. They still found a way to win against the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans, as much as we've talked about them being, you know, the of course a division champ, they're going to win the division again and all that. Nobody takes them seriously as a championship type of contender because of their issue with their explosiveness on offense. And so I don't suddenly think just because they beat the Tennessee Titans that they're that they're fully back. But if they beat Kansas City on Sunday, then uh, I think it'll be hard to argue. Can you imagine if the Bengals beat the Chiefs three straight times? Oh. That doesn't happen. Well, that's that's the storyline for me all week, which we'll hit on. Like, Burrow could go to 3-0 against Mahomes. Nobody else can say that in the league. That's pretty wild. But you know what it is, too? It's the, the incalculable – I don't think I said that word, word correctly, but I'm not trying again – <laughs> the way that the Bengals just have that that ability to to win tight games against big teams, and it's a lot of it's Joe Burrow. It's just I trust in critical situations he'll make that one play. Like they're not always going to be efficient. His stat lines aren't always the most impressive, but their ability to just be explosive when they need to. There's really not another team in the NFL besides the Chiefs who are who are able to do that in critical junctures of the game. And look, I would say, oh, you know, are they going to even host playoff games and be on the road? We know last year they were able to go on the road in multiple places and and end up going to the Super Bowl. They won their division, though, last year. That's my only thing. Is like Baltimore's still tied with them. 
they still play each and other, they have right? A really, yeah. Well, last time. game of the season, and yeah. the Ravens have a really easy schedule. But you know what? They just lost to the Jaguars yesterday, so maybe they have the ability to lose more games against teams we don't think are very good. Because yeah, what's so? What do the Ravens have left? It's the easiest schedule in the NFL. The Chiefs man. and the Ravens have, I think, two of the three easiest, or something like that. And the Bengals have a gauntlet. And and Cincinnati, we know, still has Baltimore, still has Kansas City this coming week. So the Ravens, what they have left is the Broncos, which. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Denver Broncos just lost to the Carolina Panthers. You got his own teammates yelling him out on Russell Wilson on the sideline. That organization is an absolute mess, and it's just fun and enjoyable. They to get see. to play the Steelers twice as well. Yeah, the, yeah. So the Ravens get the Broncos, the Steelers twice, the Browns with Deshaun Watson. We'll see what that means for for Cleveland starting this week, and then the Falcons, who are still right in the hunt for the NFC South because the NFC South sucks. And meanwhile, the Bengals get to play the Chiefs. They get to play the Bucks. They get to play the Bills. Uh, they get to play Deshaun Watson, who's returning this week. That's what's weird, the, the opportunity, I guess, since on, on the flip side. So you, you look at it and you say, oh, man, their schedule is extremely difficult still the rest of the way and why I still think Baltimore wins that division. On the flip side, if you, you know, we know tiebreakers coming to play for seeding. If, you really, if you're really all in on Cincinnati suddenly and you're like, oh, they can beat those teams, Nick, well, then they, they would have the tiebreaker. If they tied with with Kansas City, with a with a Buffalo, or with a with a Baltimore, like that's the weird thing is because of how the, the opponents that they have left, they have an opportunity to kind of control their own way here. If they were to to beat those teams, they would have tiebreakers over the key teams that matter. Now Kansas City's still sitting there with the top spot in the AFC, and you feel like if they can get by Cincinnati on Sunday, the Chiefs that is, then you feel like oh they're 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 in an unbelievable shape to get the one seed. Cincinnati's the last big test left. Seattle started to falter a little bit. You know, that other than that, look at the look at the remaining games. It's not yeah, but it's not just the playoff seating, which is big, but it's how we would feel about these teams the rest of the way. Because they, because as you mentioned, it's the last real test. So we won't get to see another opportunity until the postseason for the Chiefs to go up against another team that you really believe is a contender in the AFC. Yeah, but don't you think I mean maybe that's interesting. I, I look at Kansas City and yeah, I would like to see them farewell on Sunday against Cincy, but I don't have many questions left, though, that I need answered before the postseason. Like, I, I have a quarterback that's hosted four straight AFC title games. I have a defense that has played at a pretty damn high level at times. Uh, we know when the offense is fully healthy with everybody on, on, on board what they can do. The O-line without Joe Tooney against one of the better defensive fronts uh, did pretty damn good. I know Trey Smith had a rough go the first drive or two, but then he actually settled in and, and they figured some things out. Nick like, Allegretti I, was great. And, yeah, Nick Allegretti in. did a nice job. We don't know how long Tooney's going to be out. That was the first game the guy's missed in his career. It tells you like how, I guess, either, hey, they were saving him or how serious of an injury it is. We'll find out maybe as the week goes on. I, I don't feel like they need, like you were saying, well, after that, we won't get a chance to see the Chiefs again against an opponent after Cincinnati that's, that's high quality. Like, I don't have, I don't, I don't have like, they're, they're not an unproven team that hasn't had success in the playoffs to where I need to see that. You no, know what I mean? But like you lost to the bills. Yeah. If you lose to the Bengals as well, we know how this works, even though you're right, you have the postseason track record to rely upon, but having lost to both of those teams in the regular season, it will bring about, I think a level of uneasiness in the idea that two teams who might be the two other best teams in the AFC, aside from the dolphins, and they both beat you, yeah. and that's all we have to go off of going into the postseason, that, to me, would make me a little uneasy. That would be the storyline. I mean, that would be the conversation heading into the play. Let's say the Chiefs end up with, with the one seed still, or, or, the, or they have to play a wild card weekend, and that would be the conversation, the argument that I'm, I'm sure if you were searching for why people would 
would bet against the Chiefs come the playoffs, they would probably bring up what you're, you're, you're saying there, which would be if you could actually say how many of those playoff teams did they beat in the regular season. If you're saying they went 0-2 against Buffalo and, and Cincinnati, that's what, you, that's what you're arguing with that, which would, yeah, I mean, that'd be, that'd be a fair point and a fair conversation to be had. I'm just not, just not as convinced that, that Cincinnati's going to win that division. And so if they have to go on the road throughout the entire postseason, last year they at least got one playoff game at home, and then they had to go, of course, in the AFC title game to take on the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. 913-586-7610. The Jay Southland Toe Service text line. Of course, you can interact throughout the show. Uh, from the 913, the Ravens don't close out games. The Bengals can win those games. They are better. That's why they are scary. Yeah, well, we know the, the season for Baltimore. How many more wins would they have if they early in the season would have closed out those fourth quarters? I mean, we'd be talking about Baltimore having nine wins or so at this point in time in the season. Yeah, they... It's so weird watching them because Lamar Jackson's playing at such a high level, and I think so highly of him. And then I and I look at who he's throwing to. Like Patrick Ricard is a major component of their passing off. He is a three hundred pound fullback, Alex. <laughs> like he gets he gets regular targets in the passing game. He is three hundred pounds. Deshaun Jackson, like still Deshaun Jackson is still perhaps their best vertical threat. Uh, that that is the worst Did collection you? of offensive weapons of any potential playoff team, and I think that includes the Tennessee Titans, who we saw a couple of weeks ago got a bunch of dudes who look like mm-hmm. they're like they sound like they're future insurance salesmen. Did you see? Did you see Lamar Jackson tweeting at a <laughs> at the Ravens? He doesn't really hold back. He does. does he? So some fan tweeted like. Uh, some who knows if it was a troll account or just honestly, a fa- so they tagged Lamar in it. But some Ravens fans said, when someone is asking for over 250 million guaranteed, like Lamar, and he tagged them, games like this should not come down to a Justin Tucker field goal. Remember, Justin Tucker tried like that, you know, 67 which, yarder, and it is nuts to think that we were all like, oh, there's a chance he can make this. Like that just tells you how good Tucker is. Uh, and he said, let Lamar walk and spend that money on a well-rounded team, and then Lamar, I don't, he got tagged, so I guess he didn't search himself, but he got tagged, and he said basically shut the hell up, but he used a different word uh, and just said, you've never smelled a football field, never did bleep, eat a bleep. Uh, so that, that was Lamar's response. He's since deleted the tweet, but I can respect the the response actually from. from I do Lamar. as well. You know what? If you're going to, if you're going to be hurling insults at these guys, yeah, they should you have be able to, to respond back. Yeah. yeah. I have no, I have no issue with the response uh, from Lamar. He didn't, he did delete it as, uh, as well though. All right. Coming up next, we get to the 11 o'clock hour and Sky Moore. Yes, the punt return game. We all know about that. We, we can discuss that, but I don't think any of that is his fault anymore. I'll explain why next. There's Kelsey to the end zone. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? 
Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.